Pen, Pen, do you think we can pull off a surprise party for the third year in a row for Ben Affleck? Dude, I don't, like, oh, jeez, I think he's coming. Wait, no, that was the mailman. That was the mailman. Oh, God, why are we doing this in the middle of the day? <laughs> it's, it's so bright outside. Jesus, okay, he, he, has to, he has to have forgotten his own birthday. <laughs> do you think Ben Affleck knows how old he is? Uh, no, no. <laughs> he needs us to tell him. Okay, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Hold on. Surprise! Who the fuck are you? All right. It is August 15th, 2021, and our cinema audience knows exactly what that means. It's Ben Affleck's birthday! We're doing it! Another bonus episode for August 15th, Ben Affleck's birthday. And I think also we should say, even though this is on the main feed and I'm about to reference something that is on the Patreon uh, for a a shameless promotion of our Patreon, we should also be saying happy birthday to another 815-er, Deborah Messing from Searching. Her birthday is August 15th. And I think we we had to shout out Searching, right? (laughs) Yeah, Searching might be the greatest thing that's ever happened in cinema. so. So, Ben... Affleck. He's turning 49 this year. He's only 49. That's kind of crazy. I think that, uh, you know, people have known him for so long that they might think he's older, but 49 is where he lands. And what better way to discuss Ben Affleck's birthday this year? Uh, Of course, there's a twofold reason to why we're discussing what we're talking about today. One, it's the first thing Ben Affleck ever directed. And two, since we put the movie or topic title in our podcast episodes, we have hit the record for the longest title to appear on a Cinemodities proper episode. We are discussing, I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three-picture deal at Disney. (laughs) And Ben, I'm going to lay it down, just like I did in other long title episodes I don't think you were around for. We need to refer to the entire title every time we reference it. You can't shorten it. You can't just say, I killed my lesbian wife. No, no, no. You have to say the whole title. Are you okay with that, Ben? I don't know if I can remember the whole title. (laughs) I think that might be fun. Maybe this title goes through uh, transmutations of words as we go through this episode. (laughs) A meat hook to my lesbian wife for a three-picture deal at movies perfect the only reason i know it is because i wrote it down very pointedly in a note so i could repeat it because i had i had to look it up so many times but we are discussing like i said the first thing ben affleck has ever directed it's his first short film it is a student film which i'm sure we'll get into how it really comes across like that but just in general to start ben affleck i know ben you were around last year when we did chasing amy for his birthday and I think that conversation started with Ben Affleck's kind of, you know, okay. And we talked more about Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This, as I was, like, deciding what to do for Ben Affleck's birthday this year, I knew I wanted to do something he had directed. And I, I, that leaves us, you know, I think about six movies. We could have done uh, Gone Baby Gone. We could have done The Town. We could have done Argo. Best Picture winner Argo. The Oscars gave that Best Film of the Year award. And I was like, no, this title's so long and goofy, it might be the way to go type of thing. So I I think that I wanted to talk more about Ben Affleck directing and more about Ben Affleck in total. But uh, maybe, Ben, this is where we should start. I, I went in with this idea of talking about Ben Affleck 
I think we're going to fall into the same trap. We're going to talk about Ben Affleck a little bit, and then we're going to land into how ridiculous the 15-minute performance of Jay Lacopo as the director in this movie is. The -the over-the-top, scene-chewing, literally a line from this film is him going, What's next? Chicks with dicks? And it's, it's, it's kind of wild. <laughs> the way it used to be before you, before they got their hooks into you with their MS bullshit. First it was noun, then women in film, then woman to woman. What's next, huh? Chicks with dicks? Yeah, he pulls it off very well. Um, like, you know, the first opening scene in this, like, we see the lady on the meat hook, and she's not dead at this point. Yep. Uh, but she she's tied up and she seems to be actively trying to escape from the shots that we get of her and her, right. her like, hands. And he is having a full-on conversation with somebody who is not talking to him. Yes. Which is wonderful. Like, that whole scene is fantastic. He's just, like, nor- like starting off normally talking and then, like, begins to have an argument with somebody who's not who's not responding to him. It's fantastic. It, it really kind of comes across as contemporarily shocking in the sense that when we watch this today, when we watch this in 2021, that when you see that opening scene, or at least when I did, Ben, when he's eating that giant steak and talking to someone who isn't there— my immediate thought was, oh, he's on a Bluetooth. But then you have that, that immediate realization, no, this was made before Bluetooth existed. He's talking to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so that steak also was, like, incredibly rare. Oh, oh, the bloodiest of steaks. <laughs> steak was still mooing. He could have been talking to the cow. Um, but, but no, that, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't have that reaction, but I think that was because of the video quality. Yes, yes. So I, I guess I'm glad you bring that up because that's a really good place to start is that we are directing as uh, – directing. We are talking about Ben Affleck's directorial debut, like I said. It's a student film that he made in 1993 while attending Occidental College in L.A. And really this came at the same time that he was trying to be an actor as well. And so there was a point in Ben Affleck's career where he didn't know did he want to direct, did he want to act, that type of thing. And I couldn't find an exact timeline of this stuff. Because this short film, you know, and, and honestly, it's only 15 minutes long, that he had to shoot this in a couple of days. This couldn't have been a long shoot or anything like that. F- from everything that I've gathered, I think this would have had to have occurred. He would have been directing this movie after he recorded his role as the bully in Dazed and Confused. And so Dazed and Confused, one of those classic, you know, high school drama movies... Uh, ben Affleck is, that's one of his breakout roles. He's really notable in that role. And Ben Affleck himself credits that his work with Richard Linklater on that film was his first step into demystifying the movie making process. So while I don't have an exact timeline for this, I would imagine that he works with Richard Linklater in Dazed and Confused. He gets to see a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, camera, behind the scenes in the sense of behind the camera, you know, not acting in front of the camera. And he decides he wants to make a movie. And his friend, Jay Lacopo, who's one of the writers of this film as well, uh, the short film, goes to him with the script, and they decide to make it. And it is released to some extent, as student films usually get released into the ether, not theatrical or anything. And this now exists as a YouTube video. 
And that's basically the only place that exists. And I will put the YouTube link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to watch, I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three-picture deal at Disney, you can on YouTube. And I will put the link in the show notes for you to do so. And it's only 15 minutes of your life. But now, here's really the thing that when you look at Ben Affleck and you think about this movie, this is why I think this is really worth talking about. Ben Affleck has two Oscars. He has two major motion picture awards. One, as we mentioned, is Best Picture for Argo, which I think is an incredibly boring film. As I've told Ben before, the climax of that movie is people looking at documents. (laughs) It's wildly boring. I did not like Argo, but it wins Best Picture, and in Ben Affleck's acceptance speech, he thanks Martin Brest, uh, the director of Beverly Hills Cop, as we know, which I love. But here's the other thing. This is actually something I didn't know until I did my research for this episode. The other Oscar Ben Affleck has is for Best Original Screenplay. And it turns out that he is actually the youngest winner of this award ever. He is the youngest person to win Best Original Screenplay in the history of the Academy Awards. Do you know, because I love playing guessing games what Ben Affleck won Best Original Screenplay for in the, I'll give you this hint, in the mid to late 90s. I think it was, I think it was like 97, if I remember correctly. I do not. He wrote, of course, he, he shares this award with someone else, Good Will Hunting. Oh, wow. That's how Ben Affleck got really famous. Him and Matt Damon wrote Good Will Hunting and won Best Original Screenplay. And don't get me wrong, I think Good Will Hunting is a terrible movie. That's the movie where, you know, oh, this janitor solved a math problem on the whiteboard because he thought it was fun. Turns out that math problem was an unsolved problem. He's so smart. It's a terrible story. The screenplay is pretty good as far as screenplays go, but Ben Affleck for that movie is the youngest winner of Best Original Screenplay. So Ben Affleck has chops. Don't get me wrong. I think from everything we've said where we say, oh, Ben Affleck has, a sh- has one thing he does in acting and sticks to it. We don't really like as an actor. I-, I think this is best exemplified by one time I was talking to, uh, you remember Chris that- from our Trading Places episode? We had Chris Porteous on. Uh, there was one time I was talking to him off mic and he went, why do you care so much about Ben Affleck? And I went, Chris, this is like asking why we celebrate Christmas. It's August 15th. It's a, it's a national holiday, and I don't think he got a straight answer from that, but Ben Affleck has some chops. I don't want anybody to get that wrong. We are not, like, making totally mocking Ben Affleck. He has a success in the movie industry, and it all started with this film. But here's the thing. Now that Ben Affleck has success, we know him as this two-time Oscar winner, youngest winner ever of Best Original Screenplay. People ask him about this film. And there's a really pointed interview with Entertainment Weekly from 2010 where the interviewer asked the hard-hitting question about Ben Affleck. What do you think? What, what, do you, what is your retrospective 20 years after this? I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three-picture deal at Disney. What do you think about the first thing you directed? It's horrible. It's atrocious. This is the one that haunts me. I'm not proud of it. It looks like it was made by someone who has no prospects no promise. So with Ben Affleck thinking so negatively about this movie, this is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. Ben, this is the first time you've seen this short film, right? So you're telling me that Ben Affleck hates, I met a lesbian hooker and now I have a three-wife deal at Disney? (laughs) Yes, 
That was good. Yes. Yeah, he, he literally calls it horrible and atrocious in his first two responses about it. He's not proud of it. I don't think this is horrible or atrocious. I think it is odd and interesting and definitely dated, but that doesn't make it bad. I I have to agree. I don't think this is an atrocity in near any sense of the word. I think it might not be fully fleshed out as a story. I don't know exactly what they're going for. But at the end of the day, it's fairly interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely... It's definitely enough of a hook that if there was, like, a more of a story around this, I would be interested in knowing what what it was. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's something that I don't know if Ben remembers because it was so long ago, but, um, you know, uh, the, the entirety of this movie seems to be the the proto version of David Lynch's Mulholland Drive which has you know the audition scene with Naomi Watts which is almost the the extreme example of the audition scene we get here and we have the director that we follow and things like that so this was something where I was like I'm watching it you know this this 15 minute short film and I'm like there's there's something fairly interesting happening here I don't really know exactly what it's trying to say but it gives me like David Lynch vibes so I I kind of like it at the end of the day. It, I don't think it's the best 15 minutes I've ever spent. You know, I, I, I would I say that it's better than watching one episode of Venture Time? Probably not, but it's still fairly good. I think that Ben Affleck saying it's something he's not proud of has to be in reference to the name. I think as a piece of film work, it's, it's very film schooly. There's very basic camera movements and things like that. Nothing bad by any point. But I think Ben Affleck has to be saying, I I picked the wrong name for this project. You know, you know what I mean? Can, can you uh, read the last bit of his quote again? So the, the last bit is, I'm not proud of it. It looks like it was made by someone who has no prospects, no promise. No prospects, no promise. Which I disagree. I disagree with completely. I, I think some of the, the camera work, in terms of directing, the, the camera work aspect of it is fine. Like I said, a little film schoolish where, you know, the, the example I think of is uh, the, the two women roommates are arguing with each other. The camera starts inside. It's on the one watching TV, and you're seeing the one at the window banging on the window, and she's like, I'll give you $40, but I know I owe you 3000 you know, that type of thing. 3482 Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then the camera cuts to the outside to get the opening door shot, and I'm like, that's fine. It, it comes across more as like a sitcom to me. This is how like a, a multicam sitcom would be shot, which isn't the greatest, but it's not bad. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's not it's not indicative of somebody who like doesn't have a career. Exactly. And so that's why I think when Ben Affleck is, is commenting on this movie, he has to be commenting on the title because the title is so ridiculous, so over the top. It has lesbian, meat hook, and Disney all in one sentence. I, I yes. think that's what he has to be referring to. If this was called something else, I think Ben Affleck, in retrospective, would look back on it and go, yeah, that was just something I did in film school, you know? I don't understand how you can dislike the title, I hooked a lesbian meat wife and then I went to Disneyland. <laughs> that's a it's phenomenal a, it's a, it's title. It's a really good title as well because it's it's long, it's interesting, and there's really – there's no other reason to sit down and watch this unless you're like a Ben Affleck interested person like we are other than the title. Like when you hear the description, Oh, a director, you know, becomes really attracted to an actress. That might be the most boiled down version of what this 15 minute gets 15 minutes gets at. There's not really anything there 
the title is the hook. No, well, pun intended. It's the meat hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like you have to go to Disneyland. So I, I don't. I think the most I have to say about this movie is just messing up the title a bunch, or the short film. But no, I yeah, I, it's it's completely solid for like a first a directorial debut. There's nothing wrong with this. No, not at all. This this is this like is solid B plus to yes. A minus work. I think this is a good example of of what it is a student film movie. Like it's like you you probably can rent a camera. This was also like we said 1993. You had to rent a camera, you had to get film. You had to get actual film. You could not just record based on your hard drive space. You had to get physical film that if you only had, you know, 20 feet of, that's all you got. So there was effort put into this and I I think that, you know, Ben Affleck did his best in as a film student. This is fine. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine. <laughs> For some context, that interview, was that before or after he played Batman in the DCEU? Before. That was 2010 interview. So that was, okay. that was many years I feel, before. I feel like this is better than his performance as Batman. You, oh, okay. Okay. You don't like uh, the Batfleck? <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. I, I don't really either. I know that was one of the things when um, Batman v Superman first came out, so his first appearance as, as Batman. Um, that was one of the things where people were like, this movie's not good, but Ben Affleck's kind of okay in this role. And I was like, I never got on board with that. I was like, Ben Affleck is playing basically ex-alcoholic Batman, which we don't need. And of course, at the time that he plays Batman, he is an ex-alcoholic. We've talked, I think, on ben, on Cinematis proper a lot about his actual, you know, problems with alcoholism and going into rehab and things like that. But then Zack Snyder's like, just be sad. And yeah. Ben Affleck's like, what? And he's like, Robin's dead. And Ben <laughs> Affleck's like, do, do we know that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the, more, the, the issues with those movies is Zack Snyder, I have to say. But Ben Affleck, I've never really liked as well. And so I'm with you, Ben. But... It, this was years – that interview was years before. It was um, around the Argo timeline uh, when he won Best Picture. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, in terms of directing, of course, the director has a lot of duties that he does on set. And, of course, one of them is instructing their actors and how to perform and, and things like that. There's a great Whitest Kids You Know sketch where someone is filming a, a really gritty like crime drama, and it's the scene where they find the body. And the actors are playing it at the start of the sketch like, you know, it's, it's exactly what I just said, a crime drama, gritty, they found the body, they're distressed, you know, all that type of stuff. And the, the point of the sketch is that the director keeps coming in after every take and goes, happier with your mouth open. Yeah. And by the end of the sketch, they're like, and they're not even speaking words. And, and that's, I think that's a very a great sketch not in the sense of that it's actually funny. I don't think it's that funny. But it gets at the notion of what a director does and making fun of the behind-the-camera aspects of filmmaking. Forget all. Forget everything, okay? Good. Done. Uh, mm -hmm. Clean slate. Okay. We're going to do this completely way, 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 way happier. Your mouth is going to be way, 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 way more open. Okay? Just big time. Mitchell, I want to see you happier with your mouth open. open you guys are on the same page that's why we're a team i love it this is gonna be magic everybody this is the money shot i feel it in my bones roll that camera action
I can't say for certain, but I don't think any of the actors in this movie is Ben Affleck's fault to any extent. If, if you don't think this is a good short film, I don't think Ben Affleck has anything to do with that. I think he is really working on cinematography. Because the main actor, the, the director character as we know him, played by Jay Lacopo, he's a writer of this as well. I, I have to imagine that if you write something that you're going to star in, you have the idea of what character you're going to be playing before a director ever gets attached. And so I don't think you can say, oh, if you want to come and say the director character is so over-the-top crazy, he's screaming and he's, his facial expressions are ridiculous, he's showing too much teeth, why did Ben Affleck direct him this way? I don't think Ben Affleck did. I think Jay Lacopo just had an idea of how to play this character, and that's what we get in the final product. Maybe it's some of Ben Affleck's fault to not rein him in, but at the same time, Jay Lacopo hamming it up in this short film is the best part of this short film. <laughs> him screaming. There's a moment at the end of the movie where he screams like, look at this. Look at this dinner. What is it, honey? It's pork. Where'd you get the pork? From the Greeleys. Those fucking assholes! Like, it's wonderful. It's the best part about this 15 minutes. <laughs> Hi, honey. Don't hi-honey me, okay? What's wrong? What's wrong? Been a bad day. Bad life. What in the hell is that? It's your dinner, sweetheart. Your favorite. Pork? Did you, did you think? Did you think? For one second, okay? What did I, what did I tell you about the pork? I know. That's why I got it at Mrs. Gucci's. Oh, for Christ. Those fucking assholes! Jesus! H. Christmas, I can't get a break. My fucking sciatic is killing me. Yeah, well, I mean, so that scene, he's just like, treat me like you would if I just had a bad day or something. Yes, and then, yes. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. Play um, my wife but actually play my wife like there there's there's yeah. nuance there's actually levels going on in that audition scene where she's not auditioning for the movie she's auditioning for him yeah. in in a certain extent which is which is really cool i i love this kind of you know me- if there is a message to this movie it's the idea that you know this man the director views relationships as a performance you know the the whole impetus of him killing his wife and and hanging her on a meat hook is that he's angry not only that she's nagging and controlling and a bitch, according to him, but the final straw is that she's a lesbian. And his response is like, didn't you think how that would make people see me? Yeah, like, yeah he's, he says, uh, yeah, he's, he asks like how, about how that would make him look. He, he says some other shit in this, in this short film, like, she reminds me of the way you used to be. Yep, yep. That's some fucked up shit to say to somebody. I, but I think the, the thing that was my favorite... Was he's like trying? He's like going through memories with her, and he's like talking about Coney Island, and he's like, "No, wait, that wasn't you." <laughs> oh, that that might be the the biggest piece of comedic gold in this short film is where he goes. Remember that time I went to Coney Island? I got you that hot dog. Wait, who who was that? Who did I take to Coney Island? <laughs> and it's like the, the way that he just pauses and then immediately. I'll have to put the clip in to do it justice. Immediately gets back into don't derail this conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, that. You remember when we went to Coney Island? And I, I bought you that hot dog. And you had on that great way the second that wasn't you. Who did I go there with? Okay, just stop trying to get me off the subject, okay? 
ain't gonna happen. That response to it was fantastic. Yeah, I liked the idea of him viewing relationships as a performance. There's obviously like a very heavy controlling kind of freak aspect. And uh, definitely some mental illness. Oh, oh, 100%. In this character. And so something else, like during during the um, auditions, I guess. Yeah. The the, uh, the two guys that are in there with him, like he says he doesn't like something and they just start guessing about why he doesn't like it. Yes, yeah. Is, is it that she's uh, the, she's too too short? No, no, no. Too too tall? <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, was, that was some funny shit. It's a, like, th- this is, that's exactly, that scene that you just mentioned, that guessing, is exactly what gave me the, the David Lynchian Mulholland Drive vibes, in the sense that in, in the audition scene of Mulholland Drive, the men act as if they are a hive mind, trying to figure out what they're all thinking. And okay. it's, it's all that yes men type of stuff, you know? Okay. And, and also in that same scene with those men, you have this one female in the room who's trying to act as like a slight membrane between the man and the woman. Cause you yeah. know, in this movie, the woman comes in, uh, our actress comes in and the woman is trying to be like, you know, hold on, this is unorthodox. We don't do this thing. And they push her out of the room. You know, she yeah. is literally just a slight breakable membrane. She's no real obstacle. And that same thing happens in Mulholland drive. I thought that was great too. Cause he's like, uh, come with me into the hall. And then he walks her over to the door and just, just like shuts the door insane. behind her. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I found the note I had about that. It's like I don't, he says something about like I don't I don't like her, and they're like she's too fat. Like no, too wide, <laughs> too short, too young, too tall. That was oh god. And they so do fun. settle on too ethnic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they were going for for something race based. It seemed. That that really is the the standout. I think in this in this short film, that audition scene is the standout of performances. I think you know our director with his little minions, henchmen, other people working on the film. When the director does the scene of improv with the actress, I think those are great performances because they necessitate it. It's an audition scene. I think the shine of this short film is the the first act where we have. It's it's almost like I want to say masterful editing, because we have in in one vein the director yelling at his meat hook hung lesbian wife, and as we've already said, he's talking to her in a very one sided conversation because she's bound and gagged, she's not responding to anything, and and even as we learn, he kills her and keeps talking to her when he's in the shower, and he's like, I'm going to ask the actress to move in with us. Would you be okay with that? Oh, thanks, honey. And we reveal that she's dead, and so he is having this one-sided conversation. But this one-sided conversation from the director is intercut with our actress hiding under a bed, speaking on a phone. Another one-sided conversation, because we don't hear the other person on the phone. And it's almost intercut as if they're talking to each other, but there clearly aren't by the context of their conversations. But I love that fact that we have two one-sided conversations, both about our characters dealing with stress. The director might be mentally fucked up completely, killed his wife, but he's dealing with the stress of the industry and his wife. 
And this actress is hiding under the bed while the shower's running to distract her roommate, talking about how her mother's being controlling, and she has that same stress. And that's where there's something really interesting going on here, that we are looking at two one-sided conversations, one with a dead person, one with somebody on the phone. I feel like that itself could be almost a full 90-minute movie, is like, when you see somebody talking to someone else in a movie, if you don't see who they're talking to, it does it matter if they're on the phone in a different place or dead? There's a really interesting idea there. <laughs> it's something else. Like there, there's also um, kind of like levels of, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, like being psychologically unwell that are being performed. Yes. Like he, he's talking to a dead person, having an argument with a like a full on argument with a dead person. Uh, and, and then the girl is just like, Mom, I need money. You're way too controlling. I can never be around you. Like, it's just... <laughs> so we get this, like, whiny, entitled kind of vibe from her. So like, yeah. we definitely have, like, two two instances of psychological, uh, you know, problems, obviously on very different levels. Yes, uh, yes. Kind of portrayed by this, this these two one-sided conversations. It, it really is interesting. I think that's the thing that this, like, when I started watching this, I was like, oh, this is what this has going for it. There's there's clearly, if I don't fully understand it, there's clearly something that's trying to be said with this writing in, in that vein of psychological problems. And that is wildly fascinating. Is it fleshed out completely? No, because it's only 15 minutes long. But still, it's there. It's interesting. Yeah, definitely. To, to say that this is just a complete failure or something like that, like... I almost feel like that's a response that you give to somebody who you know also doesn't like it. Yes, yes. If it if it comes across as a, um, you know, what do you think about that horrible student film you directed versus what do you think about your first directorial debut? There's, there's, there's definitely, I'm with you completely about that. And I, I mean, I don't think anybody holds this, anybody, the critics, Ben Affleck, whoever, I don't think anybody holds this in high regard, but it's not an atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not like a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it does some interesting things. I I really appreciate the the playing with that psychological um, unwellness. That dude who's just like having a high speed come apart in an argument that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. And like that's that's fantastic. I think it's best exemplified, which is you know credit to the writing of this of this short film. The the last scene when our actress you know leaves the audition room. And she drops her stuff. She leaves a book behind. And our director picks up the book, and it's it's A, a Woman's Worth by Marianne Williamson. And he kind of sees this, and he goes, A Woman's Worth. And I took that his facial expressions, because it is all, you know, there's no dialogue. His thought is like, oh, this is a good thing. She's reading a book called A Woman's Worth. This has to, about, has to be about how she's going to service me in our relationship, because that's the whole thing when they do the improv, he's like, I had, I, I had a bad day, how do you treat me, and she's like, well, you know, you might not like the, the pork that I got from those assholes, but maybe I give you a massage, and he's like, really? And so, you know, the also the scene where he's like, oh, let's say I told you I wanted to get rid of cable, and she goes, throw it all away, I don't even like television, and so he's seeing this as a very much a, the woman has to bolster the man, and when he picks up the book, 
And he's like, oh, she's reading a woman's worth. Ah, she knows what a woman's worth. She knows that her place in society based on my misogynistic views. But the masterstroke of that ending is that A Woman's Worth by Marianne Williamson is the furthest thing from that. Marianne Williamson is like one of the original feminists, I believe. She's very famously, I think if anybody knows anything about Marianne Williamson, some event she was at, she wanted to pray before uh, they got started with the event and, and because she's a very religious person. And she got flack for wanting to stop the event to have a short prayer. And people called her a bitch for doing that. Like, straight up in publication said, like, Marion Williamson is a bitch for doing that. And her response was, if I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch for God. And that became a very famous saying in the late 80s, early 90s. I think that's the masterstroke, like I said, of this short film, that the director picks up this book and sees it and completely puts it in his own perspective, his own point of view, when that could not be further from the truth. That's that's interesting. That's kind of the opposite of how I took it. So, I mean, I was definitely, you know, I see a woman's worth, and I, I definitely didn't really know anything about the author, author or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely got feminist vibes from the title. Sure. And that could be because of, of the day, the time that we live in or whatever. But I, the, I took his, his reaction to that as him being like, shit, my entire reality that I built around this person has now fallen apart. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting, uh, interesting. So, like, I, I kind of took the end of the short film as his realization that that reality didn't exist. Oh, sure, sure. It No, that that's actually really cool because, you know, it. I, I think, you know, we have different interpretations. It, it's, it's wonderful that it comes down to facial expressions, that we don't get any explicit dialogue telling us how to think. It comes down to, well, what do we get from this actor? It was actually one of the noises he made. That made me think that that was what was happening. He made like a grunting noise, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like his whole world fell apart. I I know what you're talking about. I took it as a grunt of acceptance. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, that that's really cool, and I think that that actually is a, a really good reason why you know if you got 15 minutes, hey, click on the link in the show notes, watch this. It's see what you think, you know that type of thing. That's really cool. We we have to say as well, probably the the standout bit for me at least. Of of dialogue, I for some reason had a really good time. Where you know, after they do the audition, they do the improv. Uh, the director says, like, "Oh, you got the part." I think they rush the uh, the other woman out of the room because she says an unorthodox to hire an actress this quickly or something like that. The director, in an attempt to get the actress to his place, says, "Do you know much about migrant trash pickers?" <laughs> You don't know how important this part is to me. I am going to live this part. You'll see. Okay, well, we're counting on it. We're counting on it. Let me ask you something. Do you do you know much about migrant trash pickers? Uh, Just because I, I have some stuff I'd love for you to take a look at, some resource material. Um, Could you come over? There was something that hit me about that line where the way he's like, listen, uh, do, you know, uh, do you know much about migrant trash pickers? And I, I don't know, Ben, if, you, if it hit you the same way. This came across to me as... Possibly the greatest pickup line of all time. <laughs> so it's it's funny that we're talking about pickup lines because I, I I have plans with a friend later who is recently divorced to go help him. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be present with him at a bar, try to help him pick up women. You're gonna play wingman, okay? Uh, yeah, hopefully not alone. I think there's gonna be more than just me. But I was jokingly talking to this friend, and I don't I, he, he 
I, I won't say he has no sense of humor, but he can't always decipher when things are jokes. Okay. <laughs> and I told him that the pickup line he should use is go up to a woman and say, hey, I really like your shoes. Can I have them? <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he definitely thought I was being serious. And I was like, don't say that to a person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. If you're interested in, in, in another but significantly worse pickup line from that same conversation, it was you go up to a woman and you say, I was sitting over there thinking about the best way to, to come over here and you know be disarming. And then I realized I should just ask, would you prefer a machete or a hatchet? <laughs> okay. You go in the, uh, the, the little more violent implied vibe, like, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's he's going to take off her arms. Um, <laughs> Speaking of pick, just because we're on this slight tangent, this is not a Ben Affleck related thing, but I, I recently watched uh, St. Elmo's Fire, the Joel Schumacher movie, and there's a point in that movie where a pickup line gets used that when it happened, uh, pretty much me and everyone that I watched it with went, oh shit, that's insane. And the, the thing is that, you know, one character goes to a woman, starts hitting on her, they're talking, and at one point, you know, he's like, hey baby, you know, why don't we get out of here? And then she goes, well, I came here with a bunch of my girlfriends, I don't want to leave them alone. And his response is, that's okay, this face seats five. <laughs> How about we cut out of here? Well, yeah, but I came with some girlfriends. Look, this face seats five. And literally, it was like, whoa, that turned up. <laughs> it's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely running the risk of being incredibly insulting. Yes, uh, yes. It's a it's a shoot your shot type of line. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That's funny. I, I also told my friend that he should uh, go up to a woman, lean in real close to her, Put his hand over her drink, like just like hovering over her drink, and whisper under her ear, "Don't turn this rape into a murder." <laughs> see, see where that goes for him. That's always a good one. The uh, the let's not turn this rape into a murder is a a classic as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got to do the hand over the drink bit so she thinks you're drugging her. It's great. <laughs> Relationship advice. On Ben Affleck's birthday. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And I think another part of that was grab her wrist just a little bit too hard. That's... <laughs> You're hurting me. <laughs> yeah, so as you can tell, I'm going to be a good wingman. Um, oh, my, friend's, my friend's in good hands. Uh, I would I would expect nothing less from you, Ben. You know, if I told you one day, I'd be like, Ben, you know, we're out. Like, can you be my wingman? If you did not immediately, from seemingly a comically small amount of space, pull a bat with nails in it out, I, I would not be okay. I would be like, Ben, you're not doing your job. You need the bat with nails. <laughs> <laughs> Have to be the bigger threat so they look safe. That's what it's about. There, there you go. There you go. Relationship advice on this August 15th. So, I mean, with, with that little tangent out of the way, I, I don't know if I had really much more to say about this short film. Of course, we are talking about a 15-minute thing. Um, were there any other moments, dialogue, anything you wanted to talk about with this movie, uh, short uh, film? I think I hit all the, all the points that I was really interested in. Like, one thing I found strange was how much room there was under that bed. Well, well, okay, yeah, that, I'm glad you bring that up because I think it's absolutely absurd 
in that the roommate wants to take a well she goes into the the apartment she wants to just take a shower it turns out that she's running the sh- the water to distract her roommate while she goes under the bed and makes a phone call how, when this started in this short film i was like is this going to work like how are you going to hide like she can hear you talking right oh, it's yeah. not like it's a it's a sound impenetrable bed um, but the movie actually plays it as if, you know, the other roommate doesn't know what's going on. She keeps knocking on the shower door, and that is absurd. I thought that was hilariously absurd that the the trick of hiding under the bed worked. <laughs> so th- that actually reminds me of a, uh, an episode of Psych. So if, if you're not familiar with Psych, it's uh, this duo, um, Sean and Gus. Sean's the fake psychic detective. Gus is his bald black pharmaceutical salesman friend who he calls magic head because yes. it's bald. Um, <laughs> there's an episode where, where they meet two people who are like older versions of them who are also detectives and they're all in a room together. And the two older versions, like turn around to talk to each other and Sean and Gus can like perfectly hear them. And they're like, do you think other people can hear us when we're doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember that moment. That's one of those great moments, meta moments of TV, where it's like, you know, oh, our two main characters, they're talking to each other face-to-face. They're way too close because of blocking necessity for the camera, and the camera's only zoomed in on them, and we're supposed to imply that it's just for them and us. You know, we're in on the joke. The meta moment of, God, have we been fucking up this long? Yeah. Like, like people can hear us, right? <laughs> Yeah, that was that was uh, some funny shit. But I felt the same way. I was like, "There's no way that she can't be heard." And also, like, she had room to like be kicking her feet around and shit. And I yeah. was just like, "I don't understand what bed this is, or how anyone thinks they're hidden when they're under it." Yeah, clearly it's like four feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can see. It was like, really wild. She was basically just on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed. Yeah, yeah, because she had, she had, not only could she fit under the bed, she had, like, head space and stuff like that. Yeah, she was propped up on her elbows, kicking, like, with her knees bent, kicking her feet, laying on her stomach, and I was like, I, I, there's so much fucking room here. Like, she, she could just live under this bed, and the roommate would never even have to know. Apparently, yeah, if, if the shower was just running 24-7, she could live under this bed. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I think that was, like... The, the last thing I really had to say about this. Other yeah. than that, that audition scene is great, and I don't know how much audio from it we want to put in here, but I, definitely the guessing thing that they were doing. Like oh, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Too, too fat, too wide. That was. <laughs> she's interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think she's too. too. fat. fat. No, not fat. Um, wide. Oh, she's, 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 she's kind of young. She's short, young. Tall. Short. Ethnic. Ethnic. Yeah. Dark. South of the border. Oh. Sturdy. Yeah. It's just yes. Something. It's yeah. not um, yeah. swarthy. Mm. Who's next? That was a good time. It's, uh, it's, I think, you know, regardless of our questions before we get to them, I think this is worth checking out because it's only 15 minutes. It's an interesting short film. Like we've been saying, there's something going on. Whether or not you fully get it, it's interesting. And it's a Ben Affleck project. And I think it's important to discuss this, um, you know, maybe as we go forward, maybe to, to say for next year, which I don't think I'll remember, uh, maybe we'll do a Ben Affleck theatrical debut. Uh, not th- debut, the theatrical directorial effort. Maybe 
I, I think that was one thing we should say, Ben and I. We talked about the town, and I was like, I don't really. I was like, Ben, do you like the town? I don't really like it. I was like, maybe it's action, like crime. Do you like it? And Ben's like, No, I think I was bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I barely remember it, and that that tells you everything you need to know. I think so. Maybe we'll do another Ben Affleck directorial effort next year, but we'll see. Not not making any promises, that type of thing. Well, and with that being said, if there's nothing else that you had about this short film, I think. Because we are doing this on the main feed as a bonus episode, which we did last year for Chasing Amy, we have to answer our questions and get to snacks. So Wait, question- before we do that, uh-oh, uh-oh, I, uh-oh. I mentioned next <laughs> next year, Goodwill Hunting from the standpoint of a PhD in mathematics. Ooh, okay, okay. Tear apart how, uh, in air quotes, smart Matt Damon is supposed to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that the problem on the board is just like a pretty simple graph theory problem. Okay, I've never looked into it um, at all. But but sure, okay, that's that's a good thought. That's a good thought. We might get, And he's in that, of course. He's an actor in that. He's not the lead role, but he is there. So, our questions, Ben. We got Cinemodities and Late Night. I think for Cinemodities, I'm going to say yes. I think this is a yes because it's a Ben Affleck project. That is sufficiently strange, and I think a lot of that is carried by Jay Lacopo's acting, the, the director's acting, how over-the-top and scene-chewing and hammy that it is. It's the best thing about this. But I, I think I'm going to go yes to Cinemodities. Late Night, though, I'm going to say no. I, I think as a short film, for 15 minutes, it might not be the best thing just to throw on real quick. I don't—I'm a little torn when I say that. But I think I'm going yes to Cinemodities, and I'm going no to Late Night. What do you think for this movie? Uh, I think I have to be uninteresting and pretty much say the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, like, yes, it's weird. Uh, Jay Lacopo screams at a lady who is not in front of him or respond, responsive. That's some great shit to watch. Definitely weird. Late Night, I mean, I don't know that I am going to remember this well enough to tell anybody how to look it up to show it to them. That, that's like, a good point where whenever you get to a short film, I think any short film, it needs to be wildly impactful for you to think, oh, let me put this on. And I don't know, geez, can I even think of one short film that fits that bill? Maybe, God, even when I say this, the one that I think of, I don't remember the title exactly. I think it's Logoland? Hey kids, the short film Rob was thinking of is actually called Logo Rama and is also available on YouTube. I might be getting that wrong. There's a short film, Ben, that I really like that is literally every logo of modern America uh, capitalism is in the same universe. So you have like Ronald McDonald, Colonel Sanders, the Michelin Man, like any logo you could possibly imagine, it creates a universe with those logos. And I think it's called Logo Land. But see, that's the thing. That's the one I remember the most, and I can't even think of the title correctly. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, short short uh, films, like you said, they have kind of a higher bar to reach. Yeah. Uh, they're never going to be turn off your mind entertainment because they're just not long enough. Um, so they always have to be, like you said, impactful. Um, and to be completely honest, I think you're going to get more impactful from music or poetry than you're going to get from a short film most times. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, as, I, as I'm trying to rack my brain about other short films, you know, the, the ones that come up are the Sylvain Chaumet short films. 
uh, Merci Monsieur Ramada or La Vie Dame et Le Pigeon. And it's like, am I going to remember that in the moment? I think, you know, The Old Lady and the Pigeons is, is really weird and really good, but... I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a a kind of category of late night movies that we've never discussed before. Is if we're trying to add a late night short film, it's difficult because we already have so many good late night films, not short. You know, like like why would we say, oh, let's watch this fifteen minutes when we could watch this great ninety minutes type of thing? At least that's where I'm, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I think it would be. I don't. I can't imagine a short film that I would say this is better than doing anything else for fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And even you know when I've given my rankings of directors and stuff, I very pointedly leave off their short films because I think they're in a different category. So, so yeah, okay, interesting. This is this might be breaking new ground in a way I didn't expect for Ben Affleck's birthday and Cinemodities. <laughs> with that being said, though, we get to the restaurant, the snacks. Uh, there's not a lot of things that I have based on this short film, but I do have two. And the first one that I want to say, because I mentioned already, uh, just on the menu, like as the title of, of the dish, and, and the dish I think will be regular. It'll be the actual food this describes. It's just called pork from those fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? No, it should be pepperoni. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pork, pork asshole. <laughs> I would love to hear... A customer asked that question. <laughs> but I just love that line where it's like, no, it's pork. I got it from the... I think it's like the, the gre- greasies, the greelies, whatever. And he's like, those fucking assholes! <laughs> uh, I just loved that idea. The only other snack that I have is not a snack. It's an aspect of the restaurant. Um, of course, I don't think it's something we've talked about in a long, long time. But, you know, any restaurant should have it. The The little waiting area. You know, what if the... These seats are filled, and you have to wait for a table. You know, think of uh, an Olive Garden type of thing where you, they give you that little weird buzzer that's supposed to tell you when your table's ready or when they're ready to seat you. Um, in our waiting area, as maybe some entertainment, because I know we've talked about it before, we have some maybe magazines there, some weird magazines. When people are waiting for a seat in our restaurant, maybe we should give them some documents about migrant trash pickers to look over. Okay. Maybe there's just a few documents. I don't know what these documents are about, but maybe, I don't think they're even magazines. Just, you know, like you're sitting in the waiting area. You might be talking to your family, your friends, whoever you're there with. And you can peruse some documents about migrant trash pickers. <laughs> that seems pretty solid. Um, I definitely thought you were going to go towards something like when you're waiting for a seat, we just, like, hang you by your shirt on a meat hook. <laughs> oh, Oh, that's a, that's good. I like that. Where you're literally, you know, we we leave you hanging for a seat type of thing. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, even if and we have to, we have to implement like everybody has to wait at least fifteen minutes, even if there's no one else in the restaurant. You know, I, I'm glad you say something like that. I really think we should implement that rule because as I was talking about the Cinemati's restaurant having a waiting area, because this is the first time we're talking about that in a while, I have to remember, and I do remember, that we have an infinite restaurant. How are you waiting for seats in an infinite restaurant? I could see that as a Yelp review for us. Why'd they make me wait? They have infinite space. One star. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we we make you wait to give the feeling of exclusivity. Yes, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, you're going to wait 15 minutes. 
That's least. good. That's good. Do you have anything else for the restaurant? Meat hooks, lesbians. I mean, <laughs> you could do something with that, probably. I just want to clip what that out. You you just very melancholily said, I don't know, meat hooks, lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> like that should be our next advertisement. Like our clip that goes out to the ether to advertise the podcast. Just Ben going. I don't know, meat hooks, lesbians, <laughs> and and put it like as early because we're recording this Ben Affleck's birthday episode very much in advance of Ben Affleck's birthday. I, I would love to release that as an advertisement without context. That was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, we could just have let people order cows whenever like they ask for a really rare steak, we just bring them a cow. I think that would be great oh okay okay because like you said you know it's uh it's so rare that it's mooing that's something that you hear if you ever watch any of those gordon ramsay cooking shows if somebody sends up raw beef he'll be like the only thing it's missing is its fur and then we can put it back out in the field yeah and so let's just own that let's say you know yeah but if you want a rare steak you just get the live animal yeah okay okay absolutely uh, quick question, because I don't know it, actually. Do you like... How do you like your steak? Do you like it rare? Uh, medium rare. Medium rare? Okay. Okay. Right on. Um, I... If I had to eat a steak, I'd probably say medium rare. I don't really like giant chunks of meat. Like, I, I like the... I like a burger. Meat with other things. I like, you know, some type of actual... I, I don't know. I, I, I've never been able to articulate it correctly. It's really weird to me that people go to restaurants and just order a piece of meat. Uh, it's always so, been very strange. <laughs> I'm actually glad you brought that up. I am. I prefer burgers almost 100 percent of the time over steak. If if I'm like when I go to Roadhouse, for instance, I order ribs. I don't order sure, steak. Sure. Like I, I I'm not a big steak eater. When I do eat steak, I eat it medium rare. But yeah. I also order burgers medium rare. So that's more like where I was coming from. Sure. Sure. Um, or medium medium rare. Okay. But. I, I also am not a huge fan of the flavor of giant chunks of meat. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, one, the, my psychological feeling of, you know, we as humans just cut a piece off of an animal and cooked it and eating it, I think that's a little weird. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I think it's strange. But as well, it's like, it's one thing. I think Ben and I, you know, we've done a lot of cooking together. It's, you always want to, you know, to use that cooking term, elevate something. Like, it, I thought it's just you were gonna one say, flavor. To use the thing that you wrote on my shopping list, which is we combine shit in this kitchen. We combine shit in this kitchen. Yes, I, and I wrote that because that's what cooking should be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we combine yeah. shit. And if, you're, if your idea of combining shit is boiling steak in a pan of butter, you could do better. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I think we talked about it at great length that how pretty much every recipe, everything we ever cooked, it was just combining a few things. Yep, yep. That individually are items that are fine, but together make something, uh, give it a, a, a fuller profile. Yes, yes. And uh, that, was, that was definitely something we discussed at great length. So I, that's... that's probably where I'm coming from, too, is that, the, is that the flavor profile of a steak by itself is not great. And then also, I don't like steak sauce. So okay, people are like, you know, I'll put some steak sauce on this steak. Other people are like, that ruins it. But I'm just like, if for one, its flavor is one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it needs something, and steak sauce is not it. Like, that's... <laughs> yes, yes. I'm with you. I'm, no, I'm with you completely, which is not surprising. 
uh, because we've, like we said, we've cooked together so often. <laughs> yeah. I even, I remember once I even got us some steaks, and I was like, like I, that was back when I was like trying to appreciate what steaks could be, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I fucking, I figured it out. What steaks can be is one dimensional. Yes, yes, yes. The last so, time I cooked a steak, I put like stuffed sole on top of it. Like I had to make surf and turf, basically. Because there needed to be something else going on. <laughs> the, the last... So, all of this being said, I do eat shredded steak. Okay. In in my eggs. I'm all mm. about that shit. Make a shredded steak omelet. Shred, yeah, shredded steak in an omelet. Great, great flavor profile. Great thought. Um, you know, shredded steak in a taco, burrito. Wonderful. I have nothing against that as well. I mean, on the shredded steak, you have more surface area for seasoning compared to regular steak, where it's like, okay, the outside has a flavor, and then the inside is meat. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> anyway, now that we've bitched about steak enough, somebody's yeah. probably going to write to us and tell us how dumb we are because we don't like steak. Yes, that's a good thought. And, of course, on that note, if you want to complain to us about your thoughts on steak, or our thoughts on steak, cinemodities at gmail.com. Or, of course, head on over to the Cinemodities subreddit, uh, reddit.com slash r slash Cinemodities, for more information about the show. And you can even post on there with pictures of your own steak for the world to see. Uh, I think as well, Ben, we need to pitch that if you liked this conversation, as brief as it was, if you want to hear more random tangents, as we just went on with the steak... While also having a good, hearty discussion about the topic at hand, then the Cinemodities Patreon is just for you. Head on over there. You can pitch as little as $5 to get access to bonus content, three episodes a month, as well as supporting the podcast. Ben? Rob? Yes? I'm beginning to think that my attention span might be the reason we have so many tangents. (laughs) 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 Like, you say something, and I'm just like, Rob, other thing! Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you're not incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, yeah, you're you're really coming to the Patreon to see the way my brain works. Yes. So, come check it out. Yes. And with that being said, I think then we have to ask the question, well, how do we want to end this episode? And I think one, uh, of course, since we just pitched Cinemodities. Ben, is there anything you'd like to pitch this episode? Uh, I mean, you know, the Life Counter app, it's always out there. It's, oh. I'm actually making massive improvements to the Life Counter app right now. By the time this comes out, it's going to be old news. But um, I I have added an update that lets you create multiple decks and associate them with a single user so that your stats can be recorded on a by-deck basis. And then uh, due to some, some feedback about clutter on the screen, I have created a way to hide all of the trackers inside of, like, a collapsible drawer ah. so that it will open and shut as okay. you need. Um, so that's, those are the latest updates to be coming out. Um, those will have been out probably for, like, a, mo- a month. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. So I, I think what you're saying is that if, uh, if anybody listens to this and is interested, if they go to your LifeCounter app, of course the links will be uh, for the, the uh, Android and Apple, both links will be in the show notes. If they go to this, they will see or be able to see the improvements that you've just discussed and possibly further improvements. That's, that's correct. Nice, nice. That's, that's good, that's good. Well, I think then the other thing to say is how do we end this episode? Uh, the end credits music of 
this movie. I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three-picture deal with Disney. The end credits music is, put your hand in the hand of the man. <laughs> we don't get any short titles, period, regarding this movie. I think we should play, put your hand in the hand of the man, uh, the TMT cover that plays the end credits in reverse. What do you think? Um, that sounds fine to me, but I think that we should also just include snippets of, of me saying the title <laughs> maybe also in reverse but that's your call okay okay i'll see what i can do because um you know i i i did i guess we should say we did kill our meat hook wife and went to disneyland what I, yep. <laughs> you the ones you had earlier were so good <laughs> uh yeah so there we go that's that's what's gonna happen i think if we well either that or just like fucking Clip all the ones I said and just play them at the end. I don't, I don't care. Whatever, however you want to run. It, sure, sure, make it like a Carly Beth mashup that we've done. But yes. you are okay, okay, okay. I like I like that idea. And to end this out, of course, I'm going to say it from all of us here at Cinemodities. Ben Affleck, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ben Affleck. Um. <laughs>